on this episode. And I'm trying to look them up. <laughs> no worries. Because <laughs> I'm going to share them with you. So one of them, all right, I don't know if you guys like any type of um, like experimental music. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been around for forever, but I just kind of got into them. Swans. I have not Swans is amazing. <laughs> They'll do these like 30 minute songs and it's nuts. And it sounds like the doors, if the doors were like really had balls. Um, <laughs> the doors really had balls. I'm telling you, that's what it is. Then for heavy music, uh, there's a band that I've been listening to. There's two, there's a couple of them. One band called Black Peaks, which is cool. That this guy sounds singing the way you always wished the guy from Lincoln Park actually sounded singing. <laughs> He said it. He said it. <laughs> like, you heard it first, right? That's what it is. I'm telling you, that's how good he is. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Juan Smith. Hey, you kept it simple today. All right, Try so it. you know the deal, everybody. You can reach out to us on facebook.com slash podcast or on Insta- Instagram. Instagram? That's a new that's a new app there. Uh, Instagram at no underscore country underscore podcast or on Twitter at podcast underscore country. Or you can email us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can voicemail us at 346-291-0050. Now that all the business is out of the way, it is my pleasure to introduce to you today. We have two guests. We have a comedian and really just all-around all awesome guy, Dan Hornstein. Aww. I've actually seen him do a couple of, you know things live he's actually i think he's really really funny and then we also have wyatt smith over here too wyatt is the uh really really sarcastic son of juan smith and he has had a whole lifetime of just bashing his dad so we wanted to get him in here on this too <laughs> that's my claim to fame <laughs> yes that's his oh, huge claim is, and fun fact he is an expert early yes. intern for the show oh yes yes <laughs> ryan was actually the original intern for the show and basically, he helped Juan's very, very blind self learn how to set up this <laughs> technology because Juan's technical expertise stopped at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, when, when Dan first, uh, let's say, met Juan, it was Juan literally pissing in a bucket. So yeah. Juan's off to a great start. Here. As all good dads do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was my intro? Yeah, that, that was, was your that intro. That was it. Yeah, I walked nice. in the room and I heard, you know. Well, you should feel comfortable then. <laughs> I, was, I thought you guys were playing that song, Gin and Juice, you know? <laughs> so, Dan, uh, first real quick. Yeah. What got you into comedy? I'm curious. Oh, shit. So, I don't know. Do you want like the the long answer or the short answer? The long answer. The Let's long answer? It. Okay, yeah. so the long answer is... You know, growing up, I was always uh, kind of a funny guy. In high school, I learned that I could make people laugh. And, and so stand-up comedy was always this kind of bucket list item for me for a long time. It was something that I was, oh, I really wanted to do it, but never really worked up the courage or the nerve. Mm-hmm. I was doing a bunch of other stuff. We, I was, you know, I played music in high school. I played music in college. And so that kind of satisfied that performance urge for me for a long time. And it wasn't until I moved to Houston like seven years ago 
that I started working with a guy who performs stand-up comedy. Uh, this guy, Alan, is super duper funny. And he and I would have lunch and we started hanging out a little bit. And I would, I would constantly like lament to him how much I wanted to do stand up and how much I respect. I was, I was just putting it up on this pedestal. Yeah. I was like, man, stand up's so cool. I can't believe you guys get to do that. It's so awesome. I've always wanted to do that. And like, real bluntly, he goes, okay, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it, it, he made it seem so matter of fact. And yeah. then he, he said, okay, you know, look, come out to a couple of open mics with me, come hang out there, just see what it's like. And then, um, you know, if it's something you decide you wanted to do, come see it. So I went to an open mic at Rudyard's down in Houston mm -hmm. and watched a couple, watched like for two weeks, just a whole bunch of comics come in and out. And um, then they had a, at the time, there was a comedy club called the Joke Joint Comedy Showcase down in South Houston. And they would do a workshop that was run by the club owner where different comics could get up there, not in an open mic environment, but more just in front of other comics mm -hmm. and they could try out different material. And so the first time I did it, I went to this workshop and tried out my really shitty jokes at the time <laughs> uh, and tested them out. And, you know, that night they had the open mic. I did the open mic. And it really, that what was kind of cool for me was um, it, it took all the grandeur out of it really fast. Mm -hmm. Going to those couple of open mics at Rudyard's and then actually getting up at the workshop. It didn't make it feel anything like, I had built it up in my head to be. It was actually something that goes, oh, you know what? I probably could do this. I, I understood real fast. I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, I'm going to be great immediately. I, yeah. I got that I was going to suck early on and that it would take a little while to build up what joke writing is and what getting good at it and things. Um, I still have a long way to go, but that's it, I knew then, even then that I was like, okay, I can probably get some laughs and start to make my way through this, right? Start to build up a little bit of talent. Yeah. So how long have you been doing stand-up? Shit. It's only been, I guess, about three and a half years now since I started. Okay. And it, it, it's one of those things where um, easily for the first year, I had no clue kind of what I was doing for me. Yeah. I knew I could write a couple of different, but you're experimenting. You're trying yeah. out all different kinds of stuff, right? So my whole first year of comedy was I would do topical jokes and then I would do some jokes that are sort of in my wheelhouse of what I do now and then I would try other things and you start to kind of figure out where's your where's my strength at? Where's my strong suit? And so what I what I kind of ultimately settled in is what, what I do now, which is um, a lot. Just a lot of really cheesy puns. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I kind of do. Uh, I'm. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call myself like a one-liner comic, but I'm probably really close to being a one-liner comic. Yeah. I I like the idea of a really short setup and then get to a punchline very fast. Don't yeah. waste the audience's time. The faster you can get to a laugh, the better, right? Yeah. Uh, right. And then when you can just build on top of that and kind of layer on different jokes after that. Yeah, that's that's actually that's a very apt description. That's actually one thing that because I saw you at you know the secret group a few weeks ago, and then at the funniest comic in Texas competition, and that's what made you stand out. You were more of that you know like one liner or the puns. Mm -hmm. I love puns. I know I, I know puns are of amazing, man. <laughs> like puns get such a bad rap they from do. everybody, and it's it's like oh puns are hacky and they're cheesy, and I'm like yeah, but they're also fucking awesome. They are. So <laughs> And if, if if it's a really, like, I like a pun 
where like you have to, sometimes you have to stop and like take a minute. Yep. Those are those are my favorite, and I also I like it because like when I get it and the people around me don't, I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just I get that satisfaction. There's there's a there's a, a couple of jokes of, that I tell on stage that I absolutely love because they get that there's there's almost like a delay. It's like when you go to see the Astros play and you're sitting in the nosebleeds and you can hear you can see them actually make contact with the ball with the bat, but then you hear it like a split second later. Yeah. There's this weird thing that sometimes happens where the audience has to let the joke settle in yeah. before it resonates and before they start going, "Oh, that's funny." and they start laughing. And I don't know why I get I get a little bit of an adrenaline rush for it because so time moves very weird when I'm on stage for me. Um, sometimes a five minute set will go by and it's like, holy shit, that felt like 30 seconds. Yeah. But when I get to those moments where right after I drop the punchline, even if I know that that little pause is going to happen, even if it's like a half second, um, there's adrenaline that I get, I, I get a little dopamine <laughs> release, almost like I'm about to go on a roller coaster. Yeah. It's a very cool feeling because when it does land, you're like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that in my head, I'm like Shazam. <laughs> as like I'm never. I'm done. down for any drug that takes half a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for that shit. <laughs> He's like, you know, like that. This is gonna second, turn I'm into like, the yeah, Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done DMT, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. Which I've never done, but apparently it's just geometry. It just makes you see shapes, and I'm like, all right, cool. I, I can get that yeah. from a 3D poster. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> it's actually funny because I was listening to another uh, podcast today, and they were just talking about that, and I never heard that about about that before until the podcast earlier today. And the guy was just talking about like, yeah, I just see angles, and I was like, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, why? What's the point? Like, I don't know, dude. Just... I don't want to go on a math trip. That. <laughs> Thank you, right? Like, yeah. you come out of it, you're like, Pythagorean's theorem is a squared plus b squared equals c squared. <laughs> just start mumbling just, by. That's, that's your big right. epiphany, <laughs> dude. Do you know what the hypotenuse of a triangle is? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's... Sine, cosine, tangent. <laughs> yeah, great. Now I'm just reciting shit that I remember from high school. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the opposite and the adjacent. I use the word math, even. Yeah. Yeah, forget, like, advanced things. I, just... I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfectly I'm... said. I just say math. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say smart things. <laughs> Yeah, don't want people out there to think you're that smart one. Just keep the no. standards low. Gotta keep the standards Just plus low. Plus signs and minus Man, signs. Over good. Here. <laughs> Sound like Frankenstein. Fire bad. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed that I that I guess I should say that stood out to me was when you were uh, hosting the show at the Secret Group. I fe I felt you did a really good job hosting. Like you you introduced everybody very well. You kept the audience engaged, even though there was like what ten of us there. There was I I was kind of disappointed because I went there I brought my couple couple of my friends yeah and I expected there to be like you know I, it was a Tuesday so I wasn't thinking like oh it's going to be packed but I expected you know twenty thirty people oh you were at the you came to the clean show yeah awesome yeah. awesome I sat right up front with my two friends okay yes I was okay so you guys were actually a lot of fun thank yeah. you <laughs> um yeah that was that was a it was a fun night the the audience was 
they were a small group, but they were they were good. good. They were a yeah. good crowd. They were laughing. They were uh, keeping up with everybody. How, like you know, it's tough sometimes when you have a small group to really draw out energy. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta ramp it up. I gotta do, you know, hey, let's clap, clap. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. No, I felt like for having like, I've never done stand up, but I think that that would be like really challenging to keep a small group of people engaged and keep them laughing. And I felt like everybody did a pretty good job at doing that. Mm-hmm. And like you, you started it off like. You were just like, hey, like, come sit up front. So we like went and sat up front. And Tamika was like, I want to sit in the couch. Like she was, <laughs> she was not happy. <laughs> but Thank I was you, like, Tamika. I was like, let's go up there. So we went up there. I had a blast. And uh, I, I will say, my favorite part of the whole night was when, it, like, okay, the secret group has a metal roof. And here in Houston, it rains oh, like where this is going. very infrequently. So I, it started to rain. And he said a joke and it bombed, and then thank the you rain- by the way for re- bringing that up. <laughs> I don't remember the joke. Uh, no, that's because that's not how it happened. Every joke landed. They were all killers. <laughs> all right, it's his his word versus mine. Yeah, well, internet. Okay. Just yeah, well, just take just, a poll. Just later. working God into his routine. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he some jokes just winning. don't land as <laughs> hard. So. His joke didn't land the way he hoped it would. Thank you. And uh, the <laughs> rain picked up right at that moment. So the, the, yeah. the noise on the roof got really loud. And it was just like quiet. And Dan goes, well, the rain picked up. That's the sound of my depression. And then it, <laughs> then the rain let up and it got quiet again. And then he said another joke and the rain came back. And he goes, oh, here comes my depression again. Yeah. <laughs> and that was I, was, I was like, that was really cool. Like, I love it when a comedian will like improvise on the spot just throw something out there. It's it always really, it's, that's something I really appreciate is just like, you don't have to be like Robin Williams improvising half your stuff on the stage. Right. But it's really fun because it fe- makes me feel more involved. Like, okay. Because it, it's like, oh, this person is like taking like Lenny, the, the, the lady, you know, sitting two seats down from me. She every once in a while would throw out a line there. Yeah. You know, in response. And I lo- would love it. When I love it when you or anybody else. Like I love it when someone will take the time to engage with the audience because it makes the feel audience more connected, more involved. Because you know, I mean, I've gone to other comedy shows and like you know, someone will say something and then like whoever's up there, they just ignore everybody. And like it doesn't f- like as somebody in the audience, you want to feel like you're part of the show. Like obviously, I went to a comedy show in Dallas last year. And this one dude like actually stood up and started making like insulting racial jokes at the comic. Oh wow! And the comic straight up just was like, "Hey!" He stood up like they were sitting down, two of them, and he stood up and he goes, "Hey, who has the microphone?" And the guy goes, "He just didn't say anything." He goes, "Shut the fuck up!" Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, and everybody cheered. Yeah. And I was like, and and so then the guy like laughed, and the, the other guy said, "He goes, no, I'm serious." He goes, "You paid us." He goes, "We didn't come." He goes, "These 600 people co- didn't come here to like listen to you." He just shut up, and I was like, <laughs> "That was brilliant," and I liked that. And that's really like comedy to a certain extent. Like you're coming to see someone, and they're you're coming basically coming to have them make you laugh but right. it's way more enjoyable when they will like interact with you occasionally it's funny because there's there's sort of two schools of thought there uh that that it makes me think of there's number one which is because you you actually caught me that was that's a rare thing i you I typically your favorite part of the show is the thing i do the least <laughs> 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 which is 
I don't really do that much uh, audience involvement, and I, and I, I don't do that because um, number one, I, I, I when I work on jokes, um, I, I, I work, I try to work really hard on wording and phrasing and, and nuance, and probably spend way too much time on that kind of stuff. But what it does is it, it, um, it, it gets me into this rhythm. Mm-hmm. And by and so once I get out of that rhythm, it's very tough for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else, but it's tough for me personally to get back on track. Yeah, um, I've got to either feel like it's a good moment, or I'm, I've got to be kind of confident in something to where I feel like it's going to get uh, a a good result. Like like your what you mentioned a second ago at the uh, clean show, or there's option B. There's sort of the second train of thought, which is not only am I worried about it's going to mess up my rhythm, but also there's a very real risk for me in talking back and forth with people because, uh, and I don't do it typically because I don't want to run the risk of them saying something funnier than me. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's true. It's, it's the reason why I got some really good advice early on when I first started, which is if you have somebody that's heckling, yeah. that's typically kind of tossing out either what they think would be something funny to say, or if they're just, being drunk and loud and obnoxious. Yeah. Um, the advice I got was just don't really even acknowledge them, but press on because once you give them that open door, that ammunition, yeah. they won't stop. And it's hard to get that control back of yeah. the show without it escalating to a level where you got to say, Hey, shut the fuck up. I yeah. have the microphone. You don't <laughs> yeah. 600 people. And I've seen people have to do that. Um, and what's weird is there's such a, it's, it's a really delicate thing because you can go very quickly from a very fun and playful uh-huh. to a very hostile environment yeah. in the drop of a hat. And I've seen that, and I bet you guys have too, if y'all are going to any comedy shows, where whoever the comic is, if they show the right kind of level of anger or annoyance even with the crowd, yeah. all of a sudden everybody can turn. Yeah. yeah, And it's a very weird thing, because once that happens, you've passed this point of no return, yeah. and you can't come back from that necessarily. I've seen, I've only seen one time where a comic did do that, and it was uh, it was at a comedy club, and it was the headliner, um, and I, I won't say his name just because I don't know if he wants the story told, but <laughs> I thought this was wonderful. They had this one table that was just being really loud and obnoxious the entire show. It was, it was going on. They were drunk. They were loud. It was just it was really bad, interrupting everybody, bothering everybody around them. Yeah. And finally, at the head at one point, the headliner was like, hey, he's two guys there. He's like, hey, would y'all two shut the fuck up? Y'all ruining the show for everybody. I mean, I get it. Y'all, you two guys are probably on a date. You probably want to go suck his dick. You know, that's cool. I just wish you guys would quit it. <laughs> and the audience member, the guy stands up drunk as hell and goes, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> And Oops. you just felt immediately all of the tension gets sucked out of the room until... Right after that, the headliner goes, well, then why are you trying to suck his dick? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And all of a sudden, he got this huge uproar. Like, he had it back after that. Yeah. And I was like, dude, had he not said that, though. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He had another, like, 30 minutes on stage to fill. And I was yeah. like, oh, I mean, well, it was, again, it was one of those moments where time froze. Yeah. And everybody's Whoa. watching it going, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the moments that can really, like, turn a show, you know, Really well or really bad? Yeah, how do you get yeah. out of that? It's like, oh, sorry, you thought you were from Kentucky? Yeah. But then, you know, what if you were, like, you know, there? I don't know. Go bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, it's the weirdest thing. And, and, and because I don't put myself at that level where I know how to dig myself out of that hole. Yeah. I don't even go near it. Yeah. All right? It's, it's kind of like swerving to avoid a pothole for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense. I was gonna say that. Well, like you said, the risk goes so high. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like if you engage the heckler, you gotta win. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. to. <laughs> you better be ready. And like and the truth is, I I am a good. I'm good at writing jokes. I'm good at what I do. I've kind of settled into a little bit of a comfort zone and I'm not ad living kind of guy. Like there's other comics that I just, I absolutely uh, love watching them because they have a freedom on stage that I don't necessarily have. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this freedom of improvisation and the willingness to kind of step out there with not necessarily a plan and just, execute and be funny and i'm like god I've, that's yeah i've heard some crazy stories where like some really established comedians you know like in the early days got heckled sam kennison i think i even told this story before but he's like one of my favorites of all time mm -hmm. and when he first was on stage you know he was the latest that night you know three o'clock in the morning everyone's drunk and super rowdy and i guess this guy this big cowboy was like correct you know heckling him really bad he ended up jumping off stage, jumping on the guy, and riding him like a horse. <laughs> That's how he dealt with them. Yeah. And the place erupted into laughter, and the next week there was like... 200 people waiting to get in. Oh, that's hilarious. Because he was just so crazy. Nice. Like, that's how he dealt with it. And he didn't get his ass kicked. Like, how? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean... It's sort, but, of like, yeah, it's sort of like two folds, right? You have to do. The risk is so high. The answer could be crazy. And yeah. imagine, though, like, imagine anybody else trying that and having it not go well. Like, that's yeah. that's one of those things where it's it's all about the individual because I think a different comic trying to do the same thing but doing, I mean, there's so many variables, right, of what right. could go wrong. He does one slightly thing different and all of a sudden everybody's pissed at him. Yeah. Right? It's like, uh, did y'all ever see that clip from, from a few years ago? I don't remember the comic's name. But he was like one of those comics that played guitar. He's this yeah, guy I was he's just gonna middle aged. That. Yeah, he's like yeah. this middle aged guy. He's playing guitar and um, he gets heckled and he snaps, takes yeah. his acoustic guitar off, swings it, hits a lady. Oh my goodness, I have not seen this it's on camera, nuts. man. On camera, so it's yeah. similar to the Pablo Francisco meltdown. I haven't seen the Pablo Francisco meltdown. Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I would I'd probably love it. Um, so yeah, he, hits, he he physically assaults a lady with his guitar. Yeah, puts it back on and goes, "All right, uh, y'all saw that? She came at me first, right?" What? Yeah, he's to, like, like, what that's, do you think, folks? That's him trying to make the joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! And collectively, who everybody in the crowd went, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> nuts. Oh and he went, "All right, show's over." And he, I mean, he split. That was all he could do. And yeah, I don't oh, know. He if, almost had to run, man. Yeah, I, that was crazy. I mean, that whole crowd just flipped on him, man. It was nuts yeah that's what happened to pablo francisco he was a comedy club in sacramento and basically that was the day his career died like there okay. was a guy there heckling him and he like he snapped and he just like laid into the guy Dang. but went way too far yeah and then the guy just him they just kept going back and forth and the guy wouldn't leave him alone but he kept trying to continue on with the material and then finally more and more people in the audience joined in with the other guy in the audience until finally like the host came up and just took the mic and was like this is over oh wow Ooh. it was it was Ooh. just like a Ooh. meltdown Ooh, man was, i can't I haven't seen that video in a while, but that was the one thing I took away from it was like, okay, you can really blow it. You can wreck it. And, that, and you know, the, the, the real messed up part is that can, that can haunt you. I mean, look at Kramer. 
Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and all of that. Here he is. He's kind of, I mean, granted, the guy's been a, <laughs> probably a subtle racist for years, and that was just the thing that let him go off the rails. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, you, you watch the clip, and it's just pure anger. Yeah. And you know that he's like, all right, in his mind, he's probably thinking whatever he needs to say to hurt that person. Yeah. To get them as angry as he is. Yeah. And he just went, I mean. <laughs> Way too far. Yeah. yeah. He shouldn't have been a subtle racist then. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, th- at that point, the subtlety was off. Just owned yeah. it. There was All no bets s- were off, and he 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 owned it. Yeah. <laughs> that that's what's so funny was you said subtle racist, and I was like, I mean, that up is until a term then, I've never heard. Up until that's then, awesome. you know, a it's subtle, like no, 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 no. It's not as bad as you think. He subtle racist, like, like an old, old guy racist. just sitting on his casual porch, racist. like whittling. <laughs> Like casually saying racist things. <laughs> like, well, you know what though? That that's like, like old there's people. There's a Dana like, Carvey sketch where it's like, like casual <laughs> racist because yeah. like they say stuff that you and I would never say. Like just plain, you know, stuff. I don't know. Like, well, of course, you would drink from the lower fountain. What? <laughs> you know, you're like, no, that hasn't happened in years. The worst is when you meet somebody that's racist and they they're so confident in their racism that they assume you are what? too. Oh my yeah. gosh! Uh, I, well, they, and you and guys they, like, drop something racist Jesus. and they're like, come on, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Baldness has nothing to do with racism, one. It literally looks like so. If you it's guys a- had like Doc Martens on, it looks like <laughs> like a skinhead. Fuck, I actually own Doc Martens. I gotta return them. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you're scary, bro. Save the receipt. The Doc Martens are going back you to are journey. You're a big, scary, hairy dude. Except Me? no hair in your head. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna say you just w- said I was bald. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, but when there's more bald people. Both people are scary in groups. <laughs> so wait, you're what you're saying is is when you come to visit Houston, Dan and I'm, Adam Ratliff and I are all gonna gang up on you and just intimidate the fuck out of you. No, I just look like the next victim. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, did you see those three white boys walking behind him? He's a dead man. I like <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you kinda have a point. Like being bald does, I think, um, like it, it lends itself to a certain intimidation because like the other day I was downtown in Houston and like I guess I was scowling yeah and I didn't, I didn't realize it because normally like I walk down there and like homeless people will not they don't care at all they'll stop me and be like hey you know can I have five dollars can I have some money can I get a ride to New Iberia whatever uh, <laughs> but like this time the guy he was like he you know they always they always like hey big man hey big man and I turned and looked at him he's like never mind you good. <laughs> <laughs> I never get to be the never mind you good guy. Like, I, it works. So now, like every time I'm downtown, I just mean mugging the whole time. <laughs> just look pissed off. I gotta and let stay that, in my truck because once I hop out, I look like a goddamn Oopa Loopa. Just- <laughs> <laughs> like, like, let's oh, go. Man, and- I was almost yeah. gonna back off. I'm so glad I didn't. They used to be the case. Like when I had hair, they'd be like, "Hey, man, let's go to Luby's. You're buying." So what he just <laughs> said made me realize why I'm so desensitized. I went to the Middle East last year to like go visit and I loved it. I've been to Africa, I've been to Europe, and everywhere I've gone, the most I've had happen is like someone tried to pickpocket me. Okay. And it's just dawned on like I can go like pretty much anywhere and usually I feel safe, even if I'm by myself. But then it just like <laughs> that story just made sense. I'm like, cause I have like when I'm have like a constant when I'm thinking I have this like concentration um like on my face. Yeah. And I look furious. I really do. Like people have taken pictures of me and like, man, you look pissed. And I'm like, no, no, I was just concentrating or I was just thinking about something really hard. Like there's one photo my dad has of me in Utah from like 
maybe like 15, 16 years ago. And he's like, oh, that's a really good photo of you. I was like, man, I look mad. And I was like in this beautiful scenery in Utah and I was loving it. I was happy. I was chill, but I look pissed. Mm -hmm. And so now I like when you're taking a shit and you're like, oh, this is really good. You got it. Yeah. But you're like, like you're happy, but you got it must be scary. (laughs) Like, God, he looks really pissed. Like, Like, no, he's not taking a great shit. Like you're happy, but overseas (laughs) it's just white Aryan rage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of people, it's funny because like a lot of people you know after they get to know me after like a few weeks or whatever like oh when i you know not a that doesn't happen all the time but infrequently people will be like yeah when i first met you i was kind of intimidated and i was like what why i'm like well you're a big guy you're bald you have a beard like you know you can come across as intimidated i'm like really i'm like you are related to backbeard (laughs) (laughs) that's beside the point (laughs) but like I, I'm never mind I, my I Viking I feel like roots. there's a whole thing there that I need. Hold I'm on. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm descendant of Edward Teach, the pirate Blackbeard. Oh, God. I thought you said Backbeard. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. Just got that too. I thought I was like. <laughs> Like you're just related Backbeard to some guy that that's his name, like Backbeard. Dude, that's your name, Backbeard. Backbeard. Like, how did that do? <laughs> like, there's a story there. And... Oh, my goodness. Backbeard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's gold. That's staying. I, like, I don't even know what that is. I don't even that's know. Just that's the, that's the title of this episode. Backbeard, Backbeard the Pirate. <laughs> That's that's what I'm going by now. That's my podcast slash stage name. Now. Yeah. Next band I'm in, I'm just gonna you know I'm, instead of the edge, I'm just gonna be Backbeard. Backbeard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you guys do look intimidating. Like if you went to a club, girls would just submit out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just be like, well, I'd rather have them be nice to me. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's so messed up. <laughs> I don't even know what to say there. <laughs> no one ever says I'm intimidating. Even, yeah. like, oh, look, he waddles. <laughs> I don't know, but how do you respond when you say girls submit out of fear? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> never happened. There's no right answer. There's no, yeah, that's just a, yeah. That's just when you're so manly, the pussy just submits. Like, I'm going to go home and, like, immediately I'm going to ask my wife, I'm like, hey, are you okay? Are you good? <laughs> I don't know if I asked my wife that. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Because she's not intimidated. Yeah. If you were bald, maybe, yeah. Right. Time to join the club. Start shaving your head. She said my hair's thinning. Does that count? I'm tanking this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm I'm digging us in a hole. This is why I don't do crowd work. (laughs) (laughs) Thinning hair. So, where do what inspires your jokes, or how do you like go about writing your jokes? Like, do you have inspiration from things, or? Um, no, I just try to think of stuff that's funny. Um, like, you know, there's, there's, everybody always tries to say stuff like, oh, good humor should be rooted in truth. And, and mm, I think that there's some merit to that. Um, but I also think funny is funny no matter what. And I think you can be really funny. My favorite, uh, my favorite kind of jokes, my favorite style of comedy is silliness. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love like really, really silly comics that, um, like like the Steve Martins and your, I'll say like who's your favorites? Uh, so right now my favorites are uh to listen to. I I've been going back and trying to listen to like a lot of older comics that I I guess I grew up with but didn't really truly listen to them. Um, Steve Martin was one of them. I've been listening to a lot of Steve Martin lately. Rodney Dangerfield is another one. Oh yeah, oh Rodney, man. I love. Oh, yeah. oh my God, he's just he's just so funny and like 
you it was one of those things like I the the Rodney Dangerfield that I knew was the caricature that he had kind of turned into. Yeah. The no respect, oh, you know. Yeah. And uh but going but like really going back and listening to his jokes on Johnny Carson and other appearances, it's unbelievable how strong of a joke writer he was and how how fast he was and just how many jokes he had. It was unbelievable. Uh, so Rodney Dangerfield definitely a lot. Um, I love Norm Macdonald. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I love. Norm. Oh yeah, Norm, Norm Macdonald's outstanding. I'll I'll never get tired of listening to Norm Macdonald. I I spent like an hour the other day just on YouTube watching old clips of Norm Macdonald doing his jokes on Weekend Update, and it was mm-hmm. just all the Weekend Update segments from like the '90s, and it was so good. That's um, when it was the best, man. Yep. That was. I mean, he was he was just great. Uh, I loved it. I got to. I'm gonna. Shamelessly brag here for a minute. I got to host uh, last weekend for Judah Friedlander uh, when he was in Houston at the Rec Room one night. And I don't know if you guys have seen his stand up. He's he's the guy. He's on Thirty Rock. Yeah, his yeah. stand up is unbelievable. It's it's good. One it's one liners. It's silly. Um, all that kind of stuff. I love. Uh, let's see some other ones that I like. Um, we were. I was talking with somebody about best specials of 2019. Probably like one of my favorite specials uh, that just took me a little bit by surprise was Wanda Sykes. Yeah. Uh, Wanda Sykes' special on that. Netflix. was Dude, she had the funniest closing joke of all time. Like, I'm not going to ruin it in case anybody hasn't seen it and they want to go watch it or anything. Um, but, like, I was, I was watching it. It was such a good special. And then again, it had this kind of silly, whimsical tone to it that I really like. And that's that's kind of what I look for. I mean... There's um there's comics that are good that I respect like your Bill Burrs and the the yeah. the group like even the kind of Sam Kennisons that uh to me they're the funny angry comic like yeah, they've always right. got a chip on their shoulder about something and and they're just annoyed and here's what pisses me off and I I really like that but it's not my favorite my favorite is the silly the just the stuff that kind of hits you from left field and you're like God it's just so dumb <laughs> I have no choice but to laugh at it right yeah no, I that's why a- I like Bill Burr a lot. He's a lot like that. Just, you know, he's like take on things and you can't deny it. <laughs> I think, yeah. So Bill good, Burr does you know? such a good job of kind of straddling both worlds. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he, he's angry and he's, his tone is always very, uh, almost aggressive, but at the same time, he says stuff that's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it forces that yeah. response out of you. It forces that, that just that belly laugh, you know? Yeah, it's almost like you write some bad jokes on purpose. He knows they're bad. Yes. And yeah. then he makes a joke about how bad they are. It, yeah. Um, Norm MacDonald does that kind of oh, stuff yeah. a lot, too. Like, Norm MacDonald, oh, yeah. he's for got this sure. clip on Conan where for, like, five minutes straight, he's <laughs> just doing this kind of this ad-libbing thing with Conan where he's like, let me tell you about my wife. Boy, what a battle axe. And just saying all kinds of dumb stuff like that, like he's from the 30s. And it's the funniest thing I've it ever is. seen in my entire life. Um, what I love about that is what I love about Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald's one of those comics that if you, if anybody else told his jokes, there's something about the way he does it mm-hmm. that you could take the lines word for word and put it in somebody else's hands and it would it not do well. No. <laughs> in fact, it would get like this utter bomb. But I don't know what there it really is. There really definitely are people out there who just have this like natural, almost like absurd gift at it. Yeah, and it yeah. almost like pisses me off because it's like, man. I mean, I'm glad those people are there. We need those people, but man, it's like I went to see who was it, Wayne Wayne Brady. In okay, Vegas, you know, and that show is entirely improv, dude. And oh, it's yeah. like, how can you, how can you be that good at improv? How can anybody 
be that good? How can it's you, a fat, it's the I, speed, yeah. the quickness of it. Like I used to love watching Whose Line It Is Anyway. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, just for that reason. I mean, the show kind of got cheesy a little bit, but, but some of the stuff that those guys could do that just was like blink and it's yeah. there. My God. Yeah. See, same thing, man. Did you see the episode of Whose Line with Robin Williams on it? No. You have to go look that Ooh, up. I'm it is write a the note. best episode of Whose Line I have ever seen. It is so I just good. watched it. He, Juan had never seen it, and he just watched it yeah. a few weeks ago. I've I've seen it again and again and again, and every time it's just he he like he was just so perfectly fit for that. Just that on the fly. Yep. Just it's insane. And some of the best jokes on Who's Line ever said were in that episode. It's that's all. So I'm, I'm making a note so it's, I can check that out it's later. So good. Robin Williams is as um man yeah just like I. It, how he came up with stuff halfway like through and and uh, you watch and he's you can tell he's kind of got some things that he would go into uh that were kind of his trademarks yeah uh but at the same time like just the stuff he was so quick that's yeah. what i that's what i don't have is the quickness i'm i'm actually a very slow comedy <laughs> writer but so, also that's the great thing about comedy though is you can have all these different styles and i know like if i go to a show i love having it mixed up yeah you yeah, know, that's the other thing. Like, you don't want it just to become like a battle of the personality. No, and and two, you know, you I'm, want it to be cerebral. I like the stuff like you said that you step back and you go, "Oh fuck, that's <laughs> funny!" Yeah. Right? That's that's exactly my you know take. So it, it doesn't always have to be like people think that it's like about a show and you got to get up there and bedazzle them with your you know outgoingness or something. But it, you know, if you have really good material, you just have good material. Yeah, and people can deliver it, and we've all seen comics that deliver it in ways we would never even attempt. Yeah, that's you know right. what I mean? Because it's like I could never dry pan that that good. Like, how the hell do they do that? You know, and you're laughing your ass off. Yeah, but you couldn't. Do, I couldn't do that. Like, uh, like Stephen Wright dry pan. Like oh that my kind goodness, of just... he was. I think he was probably the first. That was the first comedy album I ever listened to. My dad had one of his albums, and I think I was like eight or nine. And I remember growing up listening to that. And that was like my introduction into stand-up comedy. And I've always loved Stephen Wright. And it's just that that de- is he's just very dry, very mm-hmm. just very monotone. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Like his, and it's those one-liners and it's you know, some of the stuff you have to think about. There's so many of his jokes where I will like I'll be like working and like something will pop in my mind. It will remind you of one of his jokes, and I'll <laughs> sit there and I'll laugh to myself. And mm-hmm. people around me are like, "What?" And I'm like, "It's an old joke." It's from, from like, 1983. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'll just you have to explain it." it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I had this album when I was a kid. My dad had yeah. it. Yeah, they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, no, you you would understand later." Like he he had and his jokes were that ridiculous. And obscure too. Like I like really ridiculous yeah. humor. Like that's the Simpsons, my favorite. The Simpsons, the Simpsons were great. like, yeah. You know, so many times, like there's a vehicle in a minor car crash and it blows up and everything catches on fire. Like I love stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. just so absurd. It's hilarious. Like, the Simpsons is oh, there. Yeah, I see. I grew up watching The Simpsons, and so that I don't know if that had any kind of direct influence on me or not yeah. necessarily. Um, I don't know why it just reminded me of this. there's a great scene in the Simpsons where he's at the Homer's at a chili cook off and like it's making fun of the natural yep. that old baseball movie where he like carves a bat out of a tree that got hit by lightning <laughs> except Homer pulls out this like wooden spoon and in the crowd is Lenny and Lenny goes they say he carved it himself from a much bigger spoon yeah. <laughs> so dumb like, 
That's such a good line, just because it's so stupid. I I like. I will always laugh at that. Yeah, I've. Yeah, those. There's my horrible Lenny impression from the Simpsons. It's fine. There's some. I can't do very good impressions, but there's so many lines from that show. Like I will. Like I'll just say them, and you know, in casual conversation, and so many people are like. What? And I'm like, it's from The Simpsons. Never mind. <laughs> and yeah. They're like, what? Huh? And and for me, it's like hilarious. Or like me and one of my friends who likes it, or me and my brother, you know, we're like cracking up. And mm-hmm. other people are just like, that's really stupid. I'm like, that's why it's funny. I love <laughs> The Simpsons because they they did, they had this great balance too between over top slapstick stuff. Yes. So you'd laugh at that. But a lot of their jokes were subtle. Yes. And they had this like really, and it, we talked about that kind of delayed response yeah. where you don't quite get it at first. Man, the Simpsons had that in spades. They yeah. would drop this joke and you don't realize it like after a half a minute, you're like, oh my God, that was genius. Yeah. And then they like followed up with like itchy and scratchy yeah. where they're just murdering <laughs> each, each other in the most gruesome way ever. Yeah. Did y'all ever it see that? It was always adult and kid at the same time. And it just, yes. Yes. You so. could not like it because the kid part of you loved it. But the adult part of you loved it. It's like know, frosted mini weeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did y'all ever hear that theory about the Simpsons? Um, uh, I don't know if you guys were fans or not, but they had they would always sometimes show those clips from the action movie McBain. Yes. Where the guy yeah. was like the Schwarzenegger character. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know if this is true, and I haven't done a whole lot of research into it because I forgot. But <laughs> apparently, all of the sequences they show in various clips throughout the whole series of McBain stitched together to make one McBain movie. (laughs) I have to go look into this now. If you were to watch these clips in order, it would tell this, like it would be this whole movie of McBain. (laughs) And so like on the side, I got some time to waste. I'm on the white on the case. You got to have them edit it and clip it together and make the movie. You got (laughs) to let me know if it's somebody had to have done it. I'm sure. sure, It's just one of those things. Like I'm never, if I'm surfing YouTube or whatever, I'm never thinking like, Oh, the McBain movie. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, what, like, where do you want to go with your comedy? Like, do you have a, a goal you're going to, or do you have a several small goals or are you just, like along this along for the ride right now these are such good questions i i do have small goals Mm -hmm. right so um i started comedy late i'm 38 i started it when i was like 35 okay so i'm i'm married i have like a day job and things like that i i hate saying this as a hobby just because that kind of irks me um because it's a little something more than that i'm putting in a hell of a lot of work for it to be called a hobby i would absolutely love to one day do this professionally. Um, that's a long way away. I'm not saying it'll never happen. A lot of people get famous in their late forties. I mean, I think it was like Morgan Freeman didn't start getting famous in acting until he was like in his mid fifties or something like yeah. that. And now he's freaking Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So never say never. So how I do that, I, I kind of, um, I break it down to make it a little more digestible for me into small goals. So when I first started out, it was like, all right, you know, I, I, I got really lucky that I got good advice along the road of my comedy mm-hmm. um first advice i got was get a good five minutes it takes longer than you want <laughs> to get a good five minutes to really get a good five minutes down and then five then you build it to 10 then you build it to 15 where i'm at right now and like i said i'm a slow writer <laughs> i'm building up to a feature set yeah you know where i can do 30 to 45 minutes 
uh, and get paid. I've featured a few times before and it's been around 25, 30 minutes and I'm very comfortable there. Um, but I want to be able to take it to that next level. And then I'm slowly starting to, I guess, branch out of Houston a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I've got my first gig in Corpus Christi coming up this, this week. So oh, I'm sweet. starting to look for some out of town mm-hmm. shows as well to start to challenge, um, is what I'm doing that's working in Houston. Will it work in other areas too? Um, hopefully it will. So, so sort of two things happen at the same time. Number one, get to a spot where I can feature and then build that into a headlining set and then start to branch out into other markets and see what's available out there so that hopefully I can yeah. turn that into something that's a little more manageable income wise where I can go, okay, I'm, I'm building a brand. I'm building up something that I can either take on the road or take out to different, uh, comedy festivals for example and things like that so it's been I've, it's been a kind of a slow progress just because um for well i don't know I, I don't i guess i don't rush it necessarily um and uh and yeah i don't know where i was going with that i totally just blanked that's, out that's fine backbeard backbeard got on you <laughs> backbeard <laughs> intimidated you yeah it was a good question and it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I should get a hobby. No, I, I do like that you said it's not really a hobby because we've only been doing this podcast since June. We're already up. This is episode 39. Oh, um, yeah. You know, we like I've always ever since I first heard about podcasts, I love the idea of podcasts. My favorite podcasts are comedy podcasts and so for the longest time i was like oh i want to do that but i made so many excuses to myself if i can't do it because of a b c d you know whatever just like oh i can't and then finally one day i was like this is ridiculous let me need to ask juan we need to sit down come up i had this idea i was like i have the idea i have a Mm co-host i have half the equipment i need I was like, why well, just need to start doing this? It's like I have already experienced in recording audio too. So I was like, I have background in a lot of us. I just need to start doing it. So I'm one of these like jack of all trades people that like just dives into stuff without a plan and without ever asking for advice. Okay. So like, like when I when I learned how to play guitar, my mom was like, "You're gonna get lessons." I took three lessons. The guitar teacher was like uh here's power chords here's standard <laughs> chords you play by ear have fun and that was it he's like i can't teach you anymore he's like you'll figure out the rest on your own holy cow and so like i've been playing now for over 20 years and i basically out of sight of those three lessons i just taught myself how to play yeah so like that was like, i was 15 then so like i've learned over the years i'm like like you can see in my living room i have paintings i just started painting like three weeks ago first time that three canvas thing up on the wall that was the first thing i ever painted i was gonna say i looked at those and they look about like somebody been doing it for three weeks and (laughs) (laughs) and so like i just dive into stuff one of my friends is an art teacher okay and i sent her a picture and she i'm like what do you think is this crap is this good she's like oh no i like it she's like you could work on this here and there and like fix up stuff and she's she's like you know maybe you should look into like what the principles of art are and i'm like that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) I, i just like will dive into it but like like one thing I do agree with is like this, there are things that aren't hobbies. Like somebody like, Oh, podcasting, that's a nice hobby, Mark. I'm like, you should see the amount of work I put into this. Yeah. And like, this is more than just like, call up a guy, come over, we sit down and chat for two hours. And then no, it's like, you got to edit it. You got to go through the quality control. You got to like, there's so much more to it. And then I have other episodes. Juan makes a lot of body noises. Yeah, Juan (laughs) makes a lot of gross, disgusting noises. Lots of nacho cheese. Lots of, yeah. He he actually ate nachos during one episode. 
Were you one, like crunching into the microphone? Yeah, exactly. Oh and one <laughs> listener said she wrote in and said she was nauseated. By that's her. like a, yeah, that's like an ASMR <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly crunching chips and it just cheese into your ears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. So, but it's, it is true. Cause like for me, this isn't a hobby for me. This is a second job. I just don't get paid for it. There's, but, I think there's, yeah, I think there's something about the word hobby that has this uh, denotion of half-assness. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just like, I kind of do this in my free time to kind of keep me busy. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, video games. Like you're an old person. I just got to keep moving so I don't die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> video games to me are a hobby. I haven't played, in the last, like, three weeks, I've played maybe, like, an hour or two of video games mm -hmm. because I've been doing so much other, like, creative stuff where I'm like, I don't want to sit around and, like, rot my brain with a video game. I love video games, but, like, I'm like, no, I'd rather, like, I'll go, I'll go into like research like an episode and I'll just like spend 20, 30 hours a week into it Yeah, because I want to like dive into like the detail of whatever the subject is and really learn about it and do like do the topic justice. I'm like, whatever the topic is, I want to like get the best information I can. I just don't want to go find clickbait, read somebody's biased article and then be like, oh, okay, this is the facts. Mm -hmm. Like I want to find out. It must be nice to be so talented. My first <laughs> guitar instructor after a one uh, session said that your hands are too short and chubby to reach the strings, dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was the end of that. The career. gloves are off. <laughs> yeah. I'd like you to see, like to see Juan try and play my eight string. That's got like yeah. a thick fat neck on it. Up on the high you fret. Get him a yeah. ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Why it has like praying mantis hands. <laughs> They call them the face so huggers. Creepy. Yeah, they call them face face huggers, man. Face huggers. I'm like, like on aliens. Am I yeah. your dad? Yeah. Really? Where them fingers come from, man? The mailman. I don't know. It's funny though. It's funny mailman. to listen to the mailman. Yeah. God, I'm that old. It had to be a mailman. It wasn't like a fucking like prime delivery guy. Like it's so old. It's, it's like the milkman back when he used to get milk delivered. Walking mailman. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <clears throat> so, Dan, like I had heard you play guitar too. Yeah. So what what got you into music? When did you start playing guitar? Oh man, I started playing guitar when I was like 12. So, a long long time ago. Um I grew up in a very musical household. My mom uh was a violinist Ooh. as a kid uh in Baton Rouge. She played with the Baton Rouge Orchestra for like 35 years. And so Music, wow. music was always kind of a big part of growing up for me. Yeah. Um. And also, so I, you know, I, th I think that kind of shaped how I view performing as a sort of secondary career mm -hmm. because my mom would teach by day and by night she'd go to these shows and go do these gigs and stuff like that with the orchestra and have to change into you know orchestra gear and stuff. Um. And it was always this. Oh, mom worked two jobs, whereas some people would. Probably look at what she did. And be like, oh, it's a nice hobby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's. I, I don't think know, with it's, comedy though, people are maybe people are afraid to say it's more because of fa maybe the possibility of failure. So maybe they just say it as a comfort thing, like, well, you know, it's yeah. just a hobby. Yeah. And I and I think so. And and like even when I was doing when I was playing music, and that was really the sort of main outlet for me, creative, creatively, creativitively. Um, when I was doing mostly music. Even then, I wasn't um, I wasn't necessarily doing a whole bunch of original stuff. Um, I always found 
cover bands to play with. Uh, part of that was because in Louisiana and Baton Rouge, there's absolutely zero market for original music. Right. Um, it's yeah. a big college town. Everybody wants to hear all the cover songs they want to hear. Um, and that's what paid really well too. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went in that direction cause I was like, Oh, financially I can do really well here. You know, we can still jam and have fun and, and do some other stuff and experiment in other ways. Uh, but that's, that's sort of where I took it. Um, but so even then, you know, looking at it, people would look at that and go, oh, you know, is it's not it's I was doing it more than what I would call like the weekend warrior guys mm-hmm. that are just like, oh, just come over. We'll play in my garage and that's it. You know, and, and I always I never really felt like I wanted to do that. It was either all or nothing, I'm either going to get out in front of people and do it and be serious about it and take it to heart and put in the work to do it, learn whatever songs I need to learn or practice whatever I need to practice. Uh, to do it, or I'm just going to kind of do it in my spare time when I have it. So now guitar is my hobby. Like I play in my room uh, a few times a week for a few hours. You know, I just kind of put on a record that I know and I'll play along with it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the most of what I do. I still buy pedals. I still buy, you know, new amps and things like that. But it's, it's now it's very personal. It's just for me. Mm-hmm. I don't do as much in front of people anymore. What's funny was that when you were talking about like the different lessons, it, it really made me think though about how I approach things because I'm the opposite. Uh, I took lessons for like five years and yeah. I, my, my teacher was very strict about not just like here are power chords, but here's, you know, we're going to learn music theory. We're going to work on ear training. We're going to work on, um, different scales and different, and like right now, um, I'm, t- I'm reteaching myself modes, for example, cause I never spent a lot of time learning modes. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, I'm, I'm kind of going in. So you're talking about, it's interesting to hear Mark's talk because you're, as, as you've gone through your creativity, you are a little more f- non-restricted than I think I am. Mm-hmm. Everything that I've defined up until this point, I get very stuck in rules. Yeah. All right. So, and, and I don't know if it's rules that I make for myself, like with comedy. Oh, I do this one kind of joke. I'm not going to venture out of that. Um, with music. Oh, well, here's, you know, music theory. I got to go from this chord to this chord because that's what music theory says to do. So I'm going to do that. Um, so it's, it's, I, I kind of put these buffers up for myself. It's kind of like, I just pictured like going bowling and you have the little kitty guard, the guardrails up for kids. That's what I am. Holy shit. All right. I'm the bowler that can't bowl without the kitty rails on. That's oh, that's, that's me, where bro. I'm at. I got so, the shoes. Okay. I got the bag, the ball. Can't break a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> you should get the buffers on him. Yeah. Yeah. You're At least knock some pins pride. down. <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> no, that's not really. But I don't think that's really sad or anything to be sad about. Because it's just, I mean, think about like that's who you are. Like you grew up in an environment where your mom was like a very accomplished musician, and you were into a lot of, I would say, like the more professional side of music. Yeah. So it was a lot more coming from a professional, probably like a professional like standpoint. Like your 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 experience through music was taught to you in a different way. Like my mom, yeah, genetically, and Ooh. she's not Asian. <laughs> See, that's you don't know that's that subtly racist. You do, dude. Why yeah. you don't know his mom's not Asian? Also, she's not. <laughs> See, my subtly racist assumption was correct. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, man. Racism is one of the funniest things to me on earth. It's just because it makes no sense. It's a total crapshoot of bullshit. <laughs> and so when it pans out, it's funny. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Can we talk about music? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wine's trying Spoiler's to kill the still on the back of her Asian car. So, like, my mom taught piano. She knew how to play guitar. She also, like, taught how to sing. So she taught me how to sing. Okay. She tried to teach me how to play piano, but I didn't want to do it. Now, looking back, tough. I wish I would Oh, my God. Learned. I wish I knew a piano. Yeah. And, like, she taught me for several years, but I was just like, no, I want to learn guitar. I want to learn guitar. So finally, I was so stubborn. Like, I wasn't going to learn piano. Then she's like, fine. We'll get you a stringed instrument, but it'll be violin. So they went and took me to, like, a really good violin teacher. Mm-hmm. And then the violin teacher told my mom, she was like, I think he plays by ear. Just get him a guitar. Nice. So then my parents were finally like, okay. well, And so like from their standpoint, I understood because they thought if we buy him a guitar, he might not want to play it in a year and we don't want to invest this money in something. And so like I understood it because I was like, you know, so did you 12. get like a really cheap guitar? When so you they started? got me like the worst electric guitar you yep. could get. It was like some off brand. That I got you- a harmony from Sears. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was like. It was like that. It was like, you know, one of the, it was like, I think I'm pretty sure it was something for like a pawn shop for like 40 bucks. Yep. Like the speaker was built in. It, oh, it was, yeah. it, they got me like a little, like, you know, like 10 watt amp or yep. something, just terrible amp. And like, I remember when I got it, I was like, okay, how do you properly like set this up? How do you properly wind your strings? Mm-hmm. And I just like went dove into it because it's all what I always wanted to do. And so then that's when my, parents were like okay we're gonna take you to this teacher and then the teacher was like go figure it out for yourself and so i kind of was stumped at that point because he i was like here's this teacher telling me i can't teach you anymore but i didn't have the confidence to move forward from that yeah so i was kind of like i i learned like a few things and i knew how to read chords and read tabs and stuff yeah and so i was like starting to like gradually go into it but there was like i remember one day i was in my room and i was listening to some something on the radio and so i just started playing along like playing it by ear right and i was like wait i can figure this stuff out just by listening to it yeah so i started getting into it more and more but i always liked rock and so this was like the late 90s so new metal was all the rage okay so my favorite bands at the time were like corn and uh limp biscuit even though i can't stand them now <laughs> and uh Deft- deftones i'm still a biscuit fan <laughs> you're, the only, you're the only one left juan you are literally okay, the only fred one. we can still hang Guilty. out bro i'll still wear it fun, fun yeah. wear it. he could use the company with you, brother. Yeah. He, he could use the company fuck the haters fuck fun fact i saw fred durst in addis ababa ethiopia in 2009 i'm not is, this, is that just where he lives now i i, I was shocked <laughs> We were at, there was this Hilton hotel. It's just where Fred Durst and ended so up. They have a mini golf course and like this car pulls into the gate and it stops there. And me and my brother look over and there's you no know, Fred Durst, you know, with his red, red hat, oh my God. everything, exactly the same tattoos, white shirt, everything. <laughs> and I was like, that guy looks familiar. And like, it took us a second. <laughs> and so then he goes yeah. in, pulls in parks and then goes up to his room. And my brother was like, oh my goodness that was fred durst and i was like and people here don't even like him (laughs) (laughs) that's outstanding and then and then i was like i wonder why he's here and my dad was like cheap place to party yeah maybe (laughs) i I don't know i was like must be (laughs) but like when it came to music what really got me into being creative was i went to a music store and back in the day before like the internet they had like a bulletin board at the front of the music store and there was just like a a sign up that said like you know high school age guys looking for a singer for a band and i was like well i don't really want to sing maybe i can call them and they can let me play guitar 
So I went and they were like, no, we don't want a guitar. You know, we want to play guitar, but just come sing for the band. So I went and tried it out. And so then I started, me and then the bass player from that band started our own band. And then we just really dived into like just creating the stuff that we wanted to. And then from there, it was just like all bets were off. I just like dove into it. I was like, I'm going to like, you know, figure out whatever I want to do. And then I just like took every inspiration I could. Yeah. And just tore off, like just... It like tore like every bit of apprehension that I had. I just was like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And like I had like a, I bought, I saved my money and I bought like a super basic Les Paul. Okay. And then I put really huge gauge strings on it so I could play corn. Right. (laughs) So then like. Yeah, I remember some guys in high school that did something similar. And so. Like like, they play a seven string. I can do it on six. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's. these 14s on there. Yeah, exactly. Your your neck is warped and. I still have that guitar, but it sounds like crap. I was, yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, but I'm like, how did I play this? Like, this thing was a piece of trash. But from there, it just I just started like learning, you know, more. And from there, it just like grew into like I want to learn more about this. I want to like play a little bit more jazz. Yeah, one of the best times I had. Like I've always been into more like the metal or the hard rock or the you know just the like my favorite band ever is the Deftones. Okay. You know they just announced that they're coming to Houston. White Oak. When? Uh, September of this year. Yeah. I'm, ge- I'm White Oak Music Hall with Gojira. Yep. Are you going? Oh, I'll be there. I'm yeah, going for sure. I've I'm, never I'm, seen them before. I never have either. And oh my like, god! We're again, just talking one of my today. Why not? About you coming out in August and going seeing the show. Oh together. heck yeah! I'm going. I'll <laughs> yeah, go, just, I'll go to just both see them twice. Yeah, just see them twice. Yeah, I'll go see them twice. I don't care. But they've always been like, if you listen to like any of Steph's interviews on how he plays guitar. It's the same way I play guitar. And I didn't even like do that intentionally. It's just how I learned to play guitar is the same type. Mm-hmm. Like the way he approaches playing guitar is the same way I kind of approach it. Like they have the biggest influence on me. Didn't but- he, uh, wasn't the famous story that he was watching MTV. He was like skateboarding, Stephen Carpenter. He broke his leg yep. and he was like laid up in a bed, but he had a guitar that he never really played. Yeah. And he saw a rat video yep. for like round <laughs> yep. and round. Yep. And he was like, he just watched him make a power chord. And he's like, that's it. And he played it and he's like, oh, cool. I can do this. And like there was three years later, they made a adrenaline. Video to make yeah. A rock star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's pretty much Aquanet. Oh my gosh. Why I love that story. Aquanet? Yeah. So that, that, that's actually. What I love about his story is that here's a guy who's not super technically proficient. Yeah. But he's but one just of the insanely most insanely creative. In, he's with with his music, the way he I guess to say the way he like what he brings to that band is he brings so much passion to it and it shows through the music. Like yeah. you look at their song Swerve City, it's like three riffs and they're all super simple, yet it's one of the most fun songs I've ever played. Yeah, I like I always like the Deftones um especially out of like the whole new metal thing. Uh, not not everything in the new metal in the late '90s really. I feel like stood the test of time. Like yeah. Limp yeah. Bizkit's a great example. Yeah, everybody loved them then. You go listen to them now, you're like, yeah. um, I still bump that shit. I know. I know. Juan, Juan still. I make sure I go real slow. Give him a little friend. Keep rolling, rolling. Uh, like a lot of those. Like I I saw. Uh, I got free tickets to a show from at the House of Blues a few years ago. And I went and saw Filter, mm-hmm. and I never was a huge, huge like Filter fan. Hands down, one of the most fun concerts I've ever seen for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Filter put on a hell of a show. 
right? Mm. I wasn't, like I said, a big, big fan of theirs, but the the singer, uh, what's his name? Robert Patrick. Yeah. Is, yeah. He was he was super cool. He, um, he, I thought this was so gnarly. He would like go, every time somebody was filming in the crowd, he would like go and grab their phone and like while they were filming, take it around the stage and film <laughs> the different like bass player and a drummer and stuff to get all these cool shots and then give the phone back to him. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's like he recognized, he was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up because you're you're gracious enough to come see me perform. Yeah. So you know, like a ton of gratitude. They, their <laughs> songs they sounded the band was tight. I didn't know half the songs they were playing, but it was very cool. That was reason number one. Reason number two why it was such a good show was because Orgy was the opening band <laughs> and they were horrible. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> they were so bad. They were like pissed off and they were annoyed and like nobody knew who they were. <laughs> they, like, they waited till the end to play like their two songs that yeah. everybody knew. And then after that, they were like, look, we're going to be at the bar across the street drinking if y'all want to come drink with us. <laughs> and I had more fun just watching Orgy Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and then Filter came in and just saved the day. It was so much fun. But like the Deftones, I always thought was such a cool band because they grew bigger than they were. Even to the point where like I remember in the 90s, I wasn't even a very big, big fan of the Deftones. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of friends of mine were fans of theirs. I always thought they were just okay. It was later, like 2000s when White Pony came yeah. out and like Saturday Night Wrist and yeah. uh, all those records. That's really where I started to go, oh, I like these guys. I like what they're doing. And they got this like cool atmospheric style yeah. of playing and stuff. And it was heavy, but it had uh it had this kind of ethereal quality to it. And like I really liked all the stuff they were doing um then. There's even their last record, Gore, I think yeah. was the name of Gore was so such a cool record. Yeah. Uh, it's so different than everything. I think what they did was the way they succeeded with not getting cast off with all the other new metal bands was they stay true to themselves. Yeah. And they kind of just did what they wanted to do and didn't feel like they had to be restricted into a genre. Yeah. Like every yeah. album is unique in some way. And then each album has like different aspects to it that are unique. Like you can like look at Saturday Night Wrist. That's one of my favorites. It starts off with like this really melodic, but it's like a harder rock song in Hole in the Earth. And then it goes to Rapture, which is really heavy, and then it chills out with the yep. next one. It's just it's this like roller coaster ride. And is it's, that the one where they cover Drive by the Cars? No, that was a bonus track. Yes, that yes, was, that is yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's such a yeah, that's such a cool like just addendum <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know a night it's such a great little button because for I, I i don't know why i love that song so much but uh you know it just comes out of the end it's sort of like this weird catharsis yeah at the end of a, like an immensely heavy record and it's like oh that works yeah it is they, it's so funny to be sitting where i'm sitting right now why is that because uh you guys know exactly what you're talking about. And, then, <laughs> and you have no clue. And then Everybody who listens Wyatt, to Wyatt literally the... is stuck in new metal times. Look at his shirt. Right? Like, it's like, what the fuck am I going to say to that group yeah. about the Deftones? Like, if you were to like do some Deftones trivia right now, yeah. it'd be embarrassing. We can we can talk a little more about like Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit if yeah. you want. Uh, no, Kid, Kid Rock, I'm not a fan. <laughs> he literally came from my town. It's Up, so embarrassing. Where in Detroit? Um, and I don't even care if it pisses any other Mister Ganders off. You can fuck off. Uh, <laughs> Is he like a I hometown hero like there? Never liked him. But he's not. Fred, however, that's my guy. That's where it's do at. people do people in Detroit like at. Kid Rock a lot? Yeah, Juan. Did you hear that? He, he asked, do people in Detroit like Kid Rock a lot? Like, is it like him and Eminem and Motown no. and that's it? 
No, it's pretty. Like, listen, it's if it's not of Motown like, or Eminem or Kid Rock, you can fuck off. It's getting like Madonna, <laughs> where it's only it's only it's embarrassing to most of us unless you're a liberal lesbian. <laughs> but um, I don't understand no what that means to the at liberal all. Le- liberal lesbians, all three of you that listen. I don't know exactly. I don't know what that means. I'm kidding. We love you too. Juan doesn't know what that means. <laughs> It's like listen. It's it's like reading stream of consciousness writing. <laughs> hey, I'll roll camera. I don't it's care. <laughs> <laughs> He's just. I'm supporting. I did listen. I did listen to a couple of episodes before I came on. Yeah, and like I feel like it's okay to totally shit on Juan because that's oh, pretty yeah. much what everybody did. If you heard, if you heard the Doug one with Doug, I heard and Doug Nick. and Nick, yeah. and I listened to Adam Radliff's episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of oh fun. So gosh, I was like, fir- so I came on. I was like, hey, it's nice so to meet funny. Juan. I can totally shit on him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mind. He lives in a uh, murder you know, shed. A, a small shack, and he pisses in a bucket. So yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the highlight of his week. I think it is. Yeah, every every day is the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same shit every day. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, it's just funny because you're talking, and I'm looking over, looking at Wyatt and his uh, uh, tri vintage uh, Adidas. That's, he's got <laughs> like the full Jonathan Davis thing going on. Wyatt does because he's like, he's wearing an Adidas tracksuit, like his facial hair is coming in real patchy. He's been growing that beard for like 16 years. He's like, yeah. he's like, he's like, I picture you like lighting candles and putting on Got the Life and just writing in your journal. <laughs> that. No, he got fucked up. I played that today. I was playing guitar. I was like, lessons? I can't afford lessons. Here you go. You're on your own. (laughs) How old were you? What, 13? Uh, Yeah. How old are you now? 14? (laughs) See, I didn't sound like a horrible father, man. I got a year right. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because, like, lessons. I took, when I took lessons, I took, I, I got hooked up with the coolest probably guitar teacher ever um i got so lucky this guy it was his name stan campbell he's in baton rouge louisiana i think he's probably 80 now because he was old then but like he had this little room carved out in a music store that was just his and he called it the cubby hole um and it was filled with pictures of him with famous people that he had either met or played with or done recording used to be a studio guy uh, back in like the seventies and eighties, and so like here's you walk in and he's got here's him and like Eddie Van Halen and here's him and like Megadeth and here's him and Metallica and like totally crushed the the kind of like eighties scene and he's on a bunch of records like um I forgot one of the one of the like big hits that he did you remember Mr Big stuff yeah the dun, 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 that kind of guitar riff that plays uh that's him that's my oh, cool. old guitar teacher playing on that record and stuff. Um, and so oh, he was a hired gun recording. So he was, yeah, he was a big hired gun, a big studio musician, um, uh, for a bunch of different artists. And he's on a ton of tracks that are just out there around somewhere. And he settled yeah, those people that play at that level are like next level. Good. He's yeah. he was, and he was one of those. He was like next level. Good. And so he would always, when I came in to learn stuff, he would go, okay, if you want to play like this, here's what you got to learn to do it. So mm-hmm. if, oh, you want to play uh, like Eddie Van Halen. Everybody wants to learn Eruption. He was not only big on like, here's what Eddie Van Halen's doing when he's playing Eruption. Here's the technique. But oh, by the way, when he's doing this, here's how it makes sense in music. And this is why he chose to do what he did. And he was always really good about kind of teaching me like the full scope of everything, which was really cool because it made sense. And it gave me, like I was, when I was talking about those boundaries there, it's like, oh, I get that. That makes sense. And now when I go and play, I'm able to look at different things. And, and I love 
I love taking both music and comedy and kind of deconstructing them both. Mm-hmm. Why is this working? Why is this so good? Um, my favorite, both musicians and comics, are the ones that kind of break the mold a little bit. Mm-hmm. That when I listen to them, I go, okay, how did you think of that? Yeah. Right? That I can listen to, if I can listen to a really good song and go, man, there's no way that I would have thought to do what you just did yeah. with the either these notes together or these chords or using this instrument or whatever. If it catches me by surprise, then I'm really happy and then I'm really excited. You mm. know, so like I started getting into um, a little more like avant-garde kind of music in the early 2000s when I was in college. Um, like I love bands like Mr. Bungle who just got back together. And I'm super excited. I hope they tour. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't listened to them, they're a lot of fun. They are so weird. Oh, like, yeah. I've heard of Mr. Bunk. I have shown them to countless friends, and uh, this probably means that they're not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, like, everybody I show them to, they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's well, it's yeah, very bizarre stuff. You were trying to but... say, like, the Eddie Van Halen <laughs> stuff made sense. Like, there's a reason that he made the guitar squeal like that and gave me headaches in the 80s, and everybody loved it. I didn't know there was shit behind that. Eddie Van Halen gave you headaches, and yet Limp Bizkit is... I'm like one of the very few, probably, from that era that just, like, I just could not take the screaming. Like, the 80s screaming guitar, just I just couldn't do it. It doesn't have that soft... It was was a lot of the music. That generous generous timber, like a Fred Durst does. Not very many, I guess. What else? What other (laughs) kind of stuff did you like? Like, they'll... they'll, Dude, that's... You don't tell that shit in public. (laughs) (laughs) What, what did like, you, I'm not really a fan of Eddie Van Halen. Like white people, especially man. No, we get very. <laughs> we what do are you mean you don't like Eddie. We are protective. <laughs> to save I like Dimebag though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, like you don't get your head cut off. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, I have not heard Dimebag. That's where it was at. I have not heard you listen to Limp Biscuit, but I've heard you listen to a lot of Corn. I didn't yeah. know you liked Limp Biscuit though. It was, I mean, I listened, I listened to a lot of different stuff, but yeah, I don't jump on the Limp Bizkit hate train. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did it all for the Nookie. It's literally my life's song. <laughs> <laughs> damn right. Every damn thing I've ever done. It's for the Nookie. Oh my, I feel like you have that tattooed somewhere. <laughs> next to the tribals, of next course. To the, yeah, next to the tribals. How many how many tap out shirts do you own? <laughs> I have zero tribal tattoos, zero tap. A couple of chain wallets. Yeah. Some trip pants. He's lucky he's two hundred feet away in the house. <laughs> don't run too fast. You don't want to trip on your Jenkos. <laughs> I was gonna say he knows I'm not getting up. I was gonna say it's important. It's uh, it's interesting that you brought up Mr. Bungle because um. I think they were actually a pretty big inspiration for Korn with like the weird like uh, tritone chords and stuff and all yep. that like weird stuff they did. Yeah, was that was like one of the things that got me into that. them. I read a I read an article with uh, the two guitar players from Korn where they were like, all we did was rip off Mr. Bungle, Primus, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. like a couple of metal bands. And I was like, oh, I've got to figure out who those are. And like I knew Primus from the '90s. I always loved Primus. Um, oh yeah. They're oh man, they're such a cool band. Primus, like like I was listening, I went on a huge Primus kick like two or three day, weeks ago, and I I just listened like all their albums from start to finish, like with the, from the nineties up until they put one out like two years ago. It was really good, and uh, they man. So from a guitar perspective, Larry Lalonde 
does he gets so little credit. Like oh, yeah. everybody when they talk about Primus are like the bass is so cool. He is doing amazingly like weird and creative stuff over oh, that. Yeah. And no one even acknowledges it. And yeah. I'm like, this guy's like the unsung hero of the guitar. Yeah, you gotta think it's gotta be really hard to like play guitar over less. Like that that's that deserves credit in itself. Like For sure. Because that bass stuff is so crazy. It's like, what do you even write around that? <laughs> yeah. And like what what he's doing, it's 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 so cool because I don't even know like it's all I mean, he has this kind of jazzy style. And by that, what I mean is like he's hitting notes that sound like they don't belong there. Yeah. But yeah. they do. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It's like how Chino sings. Yes. Chino yes. will throw in like a fifth or a seventh where, seventh where it doesn't belong, like on the chorus of Minerva. And you're like, that's not supposed to be there, but it works. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's one of those moments where you go, how did he know that was going to be so cool? Yeah. How did he fucking know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why and I talk about that all the time? Because Wyatt primarily is a bassist. You know, and, and being a bassist is like, when you want to take that on as like your, your, you know, like your lead instrument, you know, like Wyatt's very capable of playing guitar, but he just loves bass. It's like, but when you get to where the creativity that it takes in bass to stand out, I mean, that's why Les Claypool is such a legend, though. That's true. Yeah. Because in those bands, the bass isn't the back; it's the front. It's the front. Yeah. Yeah, right. and what's what I like about bands that can do that is. Um, they 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 have this good language mm -hmm. between them. Tool is a good example of that. I'm not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the older I get, the less I like Tool. I used to love them in like <laughs> the late '90s and early 2000s, like a lot of us. And I got I got lucky. I got to see them a couple of times in concert. Um, but even now, like a, they put out a record last year, and I was listening to it. And the two, the bass player and the guitar player, they do a good job of talking to each other. Yeah. And knowing when to let one person step forward and when to let the other person step forward and kind of like how to take the back seat but still keep the song moving yeah uh that's always really really cool to to, to listen to with them um just, their songs are so long though <laughs> yeah <laughs> true oh, like, yeah. i ain't got all day here fellas <laughs> <laughs> that's very true well, i just got a new k5 fieldy today today yeah that came a couple hours back oh very nice what is that is that his signature bass that's a uh, field, yeah, from Corn Fieldy signature nice. bass, and uh, I was trying to so stay away from plays signatures. No notes, actually. it just makes clicky sounds. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to stay away from signatures, but um, apparently there's just some insane like components in that bass that actually do really good in the opposite of Fieldy's tone because people shit on oh, that a lot cool. for the clickiness and stuff like that. But you can like yeah. boost the mids like no tomorrow. That's awesome. awesome. I always thought I always thought he had a you know for for everything that's that's kind of borderline cheesy about corn. I always yeah. did think that they did some some creative stuff like the the their first like three records especially. Oh yeah. Um, the first one's the best one. Yeah. The the hands down. Um, after that they they started to get into some some uh, cheesy stuff, but the two guitar players would always do like cool stuff. Same kind of thing. They would have this language. Yeah. Where. One guy is doing one thing and the other guy is like, oh, if I do that, that really compliments what you're playing. And then I always thought Fieldy did a good job because he's not necessarily playing notes to play notes. He's more like just doing these polyrhythms and stuff yeah. over what's going on. Uh, and I, I always thought that was kind of a unique way to approach it from a songwriting yeah, perspective. It was, it's it was like super an cool extra like, percussion. To. Yeah. And it was like, OK, I see what you're I see what you're doing. I get what you're about there. Um, yeah. Have you heard, actually, I don't know if I've asked Wyatt this. Have you heard of a band, they were around like 2000, 2001, called Ra, R-A? 
I've, I've heard, heard of, of them. them. I think I've listened okay. to them, actually. They are... I saw them live in California at some like tiny little venue. Some of the most phenomenal musicians I've ever seen perform live. Okay. Really? The, yeah. The, the vocalist, Sehaj, incredible range. And he also plays, too. They, oh. their, their first like three albums are really good. Their, their the last couple albums... They were okay. They weren't like my favorite, but their first mm-hmm. one, uh, from one, and then the second one is called Duality. Incredible, incredible music. Huh. And it's it's one of those bands that I always feel like for such few phenomenal musicians, I was like, how did these guys not gain any more popularity? But at the same time, I was like, I don't really care because at least I've got to listen to it. Yeah. yeah. And I I almost like to sometimes that when i know about something that not a lot of people know about yeah you know and like you go to the shows and there's a smaller group there yeah and it's kind of like it's it's cool because you can look around and be like yeah <laughs> yeah we, <laughs> we share this you know that's such a it's cool the only time i'm not scared of really tall white well, <laughs> i was at a metal show they i'm i'm one of them yeah they're they're very accepting at all of the limp biscuit shows yeah. <laughs> that's part of the nookie culture <laughs> no i went to that show and there was maybe like i'm not even kidding there's probably like 25 30 people there and the venue could hold probably like three four hundred people yeah but it was on like a wednesday or a thursday night and they were like all over the radio, like the local rock station. They were played like a few times a day. Like oh. that's how I heard about them was on the radio. So I started like listening to them and I went to the show and nobody showed up. I had to wait through like four absolute garbage bands. Before <laughs> I got to them. And the other bands were, t- and it was like three hours of just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to listen to these guys. I want to, you know, see raw. Yeah. And they got up. They did their whole album because they had just, it was, they had just released their first album. They did the nice. whole album. And they just like crushed it. It was incredible. And I just walked. And then like after the show, the the singer he just comes down and he like goes over to the bar and just starts you know just sits down. I walked up. I was like, hey dude, can I yeah. talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, sure. No yeah. And I just sat there and chatted with him there for a second. And like the one thing I said to him, and I'll never forget it. And I was just like, dude, I was like, you have a way with writing music. I was like, it never gets old. That's awesome. And I was like, I don't know how you do that, but I was like. That is super unique. Yeah. I was like, so much music that I've listened to over my life, you get tired of it after so long. And, you, and like maybe five or 10 years later, you listen to it a couple times and you're like, okay, now that I've heard it, and you don't listen to it. Like I can listen to those first couple CDs from them just again and again and again. That's and really again cool. And again, and there's like, I'll, I'll like notice new things and there's just so many layers to it. And it's just very well thought out, very well produced, very well written music. And Welcome to the old man. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's a record producer. He has, and he's, uh, he still does like music and stuff. Yeah. But he mostly just like produces stuff now. But it's, it, it's, that's one band that has always stuck in my mind. Like, I think, like, Deftones is my favorite band. They're probably like my second favorite band. Okay. Just because of just their complete unique style. And they've, mm-hmm. The way they just—I actually both bands play ESP guitars, and ESP guitars are my favorite. I mean, there's one right there. Yep. I've always, ever since I first picked up an ESP guitar, I was like, I never want to play anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like the Cadillac. Well, okay, not Cadillac. They're like the Mercedes of electric guitars <laughs> to me. They're 
they're my favorite. It, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I've played Gibsons. I've played. I've played them all. But I've usually. I've only ever owned like cheap guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've owned mostly cheap guitars. Mostly like, cheap guitars. I've. For me. I have invested, like, what I'll do now is, like, I'll find, like, a good used guitar, and then I'll buy that at, like, you know, because it costs less because it's used. Right. And I don't care if it's dinged up, just as long as it plays well yep. and it sounds good. Yep. Yeah. And so I've bought a bunch of guitars that way. Yeah. And, like, that eighth string right there, it was used. I think I need to go get it tuned up and intonated because it still, it plays well, but I still feel like there's just something slightly off. Maybe it's just me being a perfectionist, but... That's just one. We go on ghetto adventures to get Wyatt's. Yeah. (laughs) But like what? Three dollars. I'm there. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. The sirens. Don't worry about it. Go to the pawn shop. The one of the most fun experiences I ever had as a musician was uh, touring with a classic rock cover band because I had never played classic rock. And they were like, hey, we want to add in like a second guitarist. You like, do you want to play? And I was like, yeah, sure. Just give me a list of the songs. Yeah. So they give me a list of the songs. And I'm used to playing like drop D or like, you know, seven string, eight yeah. string, stuff like that. So I've come like, well, I can, I can play this. So the guy was like, I was like, what song is the hardest? And he goes, why? I was like, tell Start me what there. the hardest song yeah, is. I'm going to learn that one. And then all the rest are going to be easy. And he's like, well, probably Wayward Son by Kansas. And I was like, okay. okay. So I got down there, and at the first day, I just sat down, I learned it, and then from there, I was like, this is like a whole new world of guitar playing for me. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, that's and, I. So it, you brought up an interesting point because I like, I do, I, I kind of catch myself going th- through these different phases of what I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I get tired of stuff pretty quickly mm-hmm. um the older i get it's you i thought it would be the opposite i thought i would be kind of like settling into this phase where i'm in my late 30s and i'm going there's nothing new that's good anymore got any awesome you know and i'm just like listening yeah every time i hear that i want to choke that person like all i'm doing is listening to nirvana's never mind like, yeah, i'm not an Ozzy fan it's just that's all they want to hear yeah. yeah that's and uh that's a really funny. I was actually listening to old Ozzy like two days ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cause I, I, he, I saw, so he was one of the more most fun concerts I've ever seen. He came to Houston mm-hmm. in 2017 and me and my buddy went to see him. Cause it was like, dude, this is our last chance to see Ozzy. And he sounded so bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're, oh, I'm so disappointed. It sounded so bad. Like they can't play. He can't hit any of the high notes. So like all the songs had to be tuned way down. <laughs> but it was still so good, just because yeah. it's Ozzy Osbourne, right? Yeah. Uh, so like you're, I mean, you, you're like, all right, he, he probably needs to stop. Yeah. <laughs> After this, you yeah. Know? Like uh, I had so much fun seeing Ozzy. Like I, I get so excited now when I find new music. Like it's, it's such a cool thing. Like whenever I find a band that I get it really, really excited about, um, that I hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. that's the best feeling right now. Uh, I've got, and I've been really lucky. Like I got like three or four bands that are on iTunes right now. That um, I say iTunes, whatever Spotify, um, that I'm super excited about. And I'm trying to look them up. <laughs> no worries. Because I'm going to share them with you. So one of them, all right, I don't know if you guys like any type of um, like experimental music. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been around for forever, but I just kind of got into them. Swans. I have not Swans is amazing. <laughs> They'll do these like 30-minute songs, and it's nuts. And it sounds like the Doors, if the Doors were like really had balls. Um, <laughs> the Doors really had balls. I'm telling you, that's what it is. 
Then for heavy music, uh, there's a band that I've been listening to. There's two. There's a couple of them. One band called Black Peaks, which is cool. That this guy sounds singing the way you always wished the guy from Lincoln Park actually sounded singing. <laughs> he said it. He said it. <laughs> like, you heard it first. Trace. That's what it is. I'm telling you. That's how good he is. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Poor like Chester. If, they, if he would have sounded like that, I would watch more Jeez. Transformers movies. <laughs> Man down. <laughs> you know that part of the podcast in the beginning when we said we're going to offend everybody? Was, All I said was, sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness. See, I'm not a big fan of Lincoln Park. So I that's can't stand. I, I did not was not a fan of Lincoln Park. I feel and like it wasn't it wasn't the one singer. It was a rapper. Uh huh. The guy that yeah. like sometimes I don't you know, know why, why I like to question yeah. the time when it moves and <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, he ruined that whole band for me. <laughs> I just felt I like, like the first album a lot. I, I listened. Doesn't to the even first, matter how hard you try. Yeah. I listened to that first album a lot when it came out, and I liked it up until the radio killed it, and it was on every five minutes. Yeah. yeah. And so then after that, I was just like, I'm sick of this. Like literally, you turn on almost any radio station, and it's Lincoln Park. I don't know if this is true. I heard they were like a boy band. That the studio, the record, really? the label kind mm -hmm. of like had these guys that they were all different studio musicians in one aspect, and they were like, Oh, you guys are going to be the next thing. Let's put you together and write some really formulaic. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have no, I'll have to look into that. And so that I heard that early on when they first came out. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Probably came from the Fred Durst. Yeah, all my bands, <laughs> listen, they meet the real way. I don't know why. And then there's this other Woodstock band. Woodstock was not his fault. <laughs> Woodstock. <laughs> it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They were already rioting. <laughs> That's really funny. Fuck you, Flea. <laughs> what was that third band you said? The third band. All right. So if you guys want to listen to a cool band, this one, I, I love metal. I've always got like a soft spot in my heart for, uh, for metal, like old metal, like Judas Priest and Megadeth sounding stuff. And there's this band called Puppy. Which is a horrible name. Yeah. Okay. And this band is like if Weezer made heavy metal, like 80s <laughs> Judas Priest sounding metal. And it's so good. It's so good. Okay. They're good. I'm in. I'm yeah. checking it I'm out. I'm checking it out for sure. sure. Um, there's another band, Moontooth, that I like. Uh, I just, I love, like my favorite thing to do, I just love digging in and just, Finding I'll spend, stuff, yeah, yeah, so same kind of thing like when you research podcasts, like when I'm not looking up comedy, mm -hmm. and it's funny because comedy, I'm going backwards. I'm comedy, comedy, I'm going to like the the Rodney Dangerfields and the Steve Martin, so I'm mm -hmm. going back in time. With music, I'm going opposite. I'm like, I'm constantly looking for what's new, what's out there, who's undiscovered. Well, the cool thing is now with the internet and access to all the, to the like people who don't have the money that would normally would take to, you know, hear their music. Yeah. You can hear anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, there's talent everywhere. Yeah, there's, there's, I literally, I like every form of music except for country. I, I've never liked country. I probably never will, but yeah. I could try, I could probably show you some country artists that you'd like. Challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, and it's tough. It's it, cause it's just, it's just, I just don't like it. But there's the thing I love about the, you know, 
you know, Apple Music or Spotify, whatever you want. Like, you can just go in there. And I found so much obscure music that from, like, people that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And that's a lot of, like, you know, European artists or other artists around the world that I'm like, why have I not heard this? That album Fred Durst made in Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it next week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you hear three guys in the background. Boo! <laughs> that was me. It's just them booing and him going. <laughs> no, but there's there's like a there's like a whole playlist I have just called like chill music, and it's just like world music or just like ambient music or just like jazz mm-hmm. music stuff that's like. Stuff I've never even heard of. I'm like, if it wasn't for the internet, these people would have never been heard. Yeah. And I think it's so cool because the internet has given rise to outlets for people, not just in music, but also in comedy. Like, there's so many other comedians out there that I never would have heard of. Right. That I really, really love now that aren't super famous, that aren't, you know, that are never, probably never going to be at like Bill Burr's level or anything like that. Like, Probably my favorite comedian. Okay, my favorite comedian of all time, hands down, is just Robin Williams. Okay. He was just a genius. Yeah. And it's just because he was Robin Williams. But my next favorite comedian is hands down Dan Cummins. Okay. He's, yeah. His, his his the way he like thinks, his his like kind of like slightly angry, you know, mm-hmm. like attitude towards everything, but then his like silliness and ridiculousness just kills me. And it's just cause He'll just think of And like, you don't like Lincoln Park? Yeah. <laughs> you just described Lincoln Park, man. You just described Lincoln Park. It's angry and it's silly and But it's just like I love it when someone can take like the, the most random thing and make a joke out of it. And it's so absurd. And that's it's it's fun. That's my favorite stuff. Yeah. It's it's fun to be able to listen to other people express those like creative juices that are, you know, however you want to call it, like their creativity out there. And without the internet, you would never mm, hear any of this Jesus. stuff. Like so many, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that was a poor choice of words. But I was thinking the same thing. It was the thing. only okay. thing that came to my mind. I, what, it, what I like about it though is, and, and is that with any kind of, I think, good art, the, what, what the internet's given us is the access. What it's up to us is we got to put in the work. Right. And I yeah. don't mind. I like putting in the work to find yeah. those cool bands, those cool comics, uh, that, that really kind of unique stuff that's out there that I think, in my opinion, deserves to be heard because it's so much more satisfying when I do find something. Right. Than just sitting there and going, all right, what's being fed to me? Mm-hmm. Right. What's, yeah. what's on the radio? What's coming at my ears? Um, that's not on my terms, right? Right. That's on somebody else's terms, deciding for me what I should like. Um, same thing with movies. Like I love watching independent films because I, or, or finding a movie on my own merit because when I found it and I go, Oh, okay, I've come to this on my own terms. I found it. It's here. It's, it's, it's my, I'm in control of it. Yeah. Uh, to a degree, the reward is that much greater, you know? Uh, it's sort of like I put in the effort and now I'm getting the dividends coming back. I don't know. Yeah. That, that is, did that make sense? No, that didn't make okay, sense. Cool. Because I feel like I just went off on a weird, no, no, that's that, that, that made perfect sense. Like that yeah. was kind of, it was right along the point I was trying to make. Cause like, even with us with podcasting, like when I was a little kid, I remember I wanted to have my own radio show. Like I heard radio shows and thought, Oh, I want to do it. But then growing up realizing like how radio worked, like, man, that's really, really hard to get into. Yeah. And like, you know, and then like some people work really hard and then they never get their own show and stuff like that. And so like it was one of those things where I, I just kind of put it at the back of my mind of just like, oh, well, that's a cool dream. But it's one of those things that, you, you know, 
it's not really a viable career path, so I'm not going to follow it. You know, I think I could do other things I'm more talented at, and I'll just pursue these other things. And then, like, the internet opens up the doors, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can start your own podcast. I have all the equipment. equipment. And so then I just start, like, okay, here's the idea. Now I'm going to have the radio show I always wanted. It's just not on the radio. And yeah. more people have access to it. Like we have, I would let us on the radio anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we have. Like, they let Rush of, Limbaugh on. Or he won the Medal of Freedom. <laughs> They'll let oh you goodness. on. Yeah. One of Juan's goals when we started this was he said, I, he said, if I could just, we could just get a listener on every continent. He's like, at least if we could just make someone laugh on every continent, you know, that would be fun. Within like the first three months, we had a listener on every continent. Holy cow. And I was like, that's wow. impressive. That's awesome. Like, and it's not like we're crushing numbers or Is anything. That when Juan oh, gave no, up. Oh, no, man. We're killing the polar bears, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when Juan gave that's up. That's when Juan threw in the towel. Yeah. Juan was like, forget this. Goal achieved. I'm going to piss in this bucket now. <laughs> and not wash my hands. Y'all wake me up when it's my turn to talk. <laughs> 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 no, but it that, probably looks that way, doesn't it? it? It does look that way, yeah, yeah. And you're out there by so, yourself. You're like, the, you're like the news anchor that doesn't have pants on. <laughs> so he knows me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's why the screen was shut off when Wyatt went out there earlier. That's why I keep That's it dark it. and only use black lights. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it worse. Yeah, That's how he got the say. name Backbeard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh my i feel God. as though i can't win right now <laughs> no you can't you definitely can't you're right up there with fred durst just you know <laughs> he's going down with the sinking durst ship there's my zinger for the day oh yep. Juan's leaving now he's had enough <laughs> he's going to ethiopia <laughs> he's calling fred right now he's yeah. like this is a bullshit don't worry, Fred. We both peaked in I the nineties, Fred. Fred. Yeah. Is that a Kangol hat? Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. It's just you just need to get it red though. Yeah. That one's black. Wow, Juan. Get that and make a video yeah, music cheap. video with Polly Shore and you got it. <laughs> oh my goodness, Polly Shore. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> Polly Shore Polly Shore was in Houston not too long ago doing comedy. Really? Yeah, and I don't I didn't go. <laughs> I don't know. Not a big fan, huh? I I just don't know what he would. I I think he's probably very funny. I just never was a big fan of like his stuff in the nineties. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd be a fan of his stuff today. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got their thing. That's for sure. He's actually very upset right now because we, he wants to get back so, in movies and he cannot get in a movie to save his life. I saw something. <laughs> I saw like an interview with him where he was he was yeah. really taking it to. Uh, there's like one of the two most butt hurt comics I think I've ever seen is him and Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, Kennedy? Jamie Kennedy made a documentary called Heckler. Yeah, uh, all about like, yeah, heckling. I've seen it. Yeah, it's horrible. It's just ninety minutes of Jamie Kennedy whining and like, whining. Oh my yeah. it's so sad. He's like, I just don't think people should be allowed to heckle. And I'm like, you know, that's yeah. I go back to like the advice I got. This is kind of taking us full circle, but like, you don't have to acknowledge it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can press on. Yeah. And. Most of the audience will be okay, and most of the hecklers will shut up after yeah. that. But yeah. when you choose to stop everything you're doing and call attention to that, you're inviting them to take power yeah. and take control of that situation. And he gets upset because he loses a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, really? Like he just he's just like, there should be rules. Like, no, no, there shouldn't no, be just, rules. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I hated that kid at school. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> 
That was the one uh, kid Juan always like a, it's, it's, it's a very un <laughs> it's a very unlimp yeah. biscuit mentality what he's got. <laughs> very you know? biscuit it's mentality. not very biscuit. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you have any shows coming up? I so when is this gonna air? This airs on Monday. On Monday. Uh no. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All my shows will have passed. Do you um, host anything regularly? So, that's I was gonna plug the. Um, so I have the clean show, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's a new show that we're we're starting at the Seeger Group, which I'm very excited about because it is it's all clean material, which um isn't it's it's. That's I mean I've I've cussed up a storm on this podcast, and no one's really gonna be interested, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went I, to the last clean show and it was you great. Did. It was it was very cool. We we have an, a lot of really good comics that can work clean, and I like that it opens the door to a different audience that maybe wouldn't come out to a comedy show because they're worried about material or yeah. uh, something like that. But it, and it's also from a writing perspective, I really like the challenge mm-hmm. of being take being able to take my material and make it work for any audience. So being able to adapt it and and change little things to make it cleaner um i'm not a very dirty comic to begin with it's just not how i write typically so it's not very hard for me but um i like the idea of putting on a show and kind of making it available to everybody so uh, it was an idea that i pitched to the seeker group guys and they they said let's take it and let's let's do it you actually came to the first one oh i didn't on tuesday that was, that was the very first clean show that we did um and it did pretty well so we're going to do another one coming up on the 15th on saturday at the seeker group at 6 p.m and then after that i think we're going to try to start making it a regular thing cool. so um please definitely check out the clean show i'm yeah. on instagram at dan in houston um follow me on instagram uh i'll be posting about different shows and stuff coming up there um and yeah that's perfect yeah that's so, me that's yeah. me guys do you have any like material <laughs> on youtube or anything or do you just no i don't have a whole lot on youtube uh right now mostly instagram's probably the best way to follow me i'll, I'll publish clips on there and i'll put little okay. side jokes and stuff like that um i probably need to grow my youtube channel it's probably something i need to work on we we need to do that juan and i talked actually a couple we we want to like take this podcast and do like video of it and then put yep. that on youtube that's something I really want to break into. We're just working on the distance thing because he's in a different state. That way she can see what makes her nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's as bad as I thought. <laughs> Might have a lot more nauseous listeners then if we do that. They'd be like, no, we'll go back to the podcast. We'll just do it on your form. Just wink at her at the end. Oh. <laughs> and then like Fred Durst, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was always such a whiny. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was just, yeah. It's fun to do. It, it really is. I've done it like There's 20 times. And you say, I got, I got more ass than all three of you put together. <laughs> <laughs> and me. <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> and that's saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Wyatt, he's such a whore. <laughs> oh. Guess grandma can't listen to this podcast. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a good thing she's deaf. It's the Adidas tracksuit. It's, it's, that's what it does is the Adidas tracksuit. You just murder ass. Love you, mom. You, murder <laughs> you just slay ass in the Adidas tracksuit. That's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. We're going to do it dirty to Korn's first album. Let's go. <laughs> Skip track 12. It's all about his dad. <laughs> The crying part gets a little weird. The cry, but, yeah. You know. <laughs> That's what he crimaxes. That. Oh crime my axes. gosh. 
Juan right now is so confused. <laughs> no, no, no. I know the song. You know okay. that one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just doesn't apply. <laughs> Why? Because you're used to crime axing? No, nah, no. Nah, I always just talk about molesting my kids. I don't actually do it. That's- <laughs> I just like to keep them on their toes. He plays that song as a cautionary tale. This could be you. It's not. I'm going to go buy a Dodge Dart. We'll cut the last. I had a Dodge Dart. 1972 Bullet Blue. We'll uh, we'll cut the last 10 minutes or so off of this, right? Maybe. Hey, if we have a maybe not get into the whole... <laughs> we'll yeah. start it over. So you know, she talks to angels oh, is a yeah, good song. Don't worry, he edits me out from time to time. Oh my goodness! I don't. I don't know. We might not. We haven't got bombed by North I Korea. I feel like yet. I feel like I've taken this conversation into several little cul-de-sacs. Oh, they're fine. That have just like ended it, up nowhere. It hasn't. It hasn't been anything worse than what Juan has said over the last like eight months. So okay. we're fine. Sometimes an empty cul-de-sac is a fun place to be. <laughs> Some, that's where some you people always call have home. a bonfire, hide a body. It's a good. Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! You're killing me. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We're gonna end this now before this conversation devolves even further. Thank no, thank you. Because <laughs> I could foresee it getting worse and worse, and then we wouldn't have any listeners anymore. But anyways, but here's a silver tip for you. When you light that bonfire, use kerosene, not gas. Lights up a little. Safer. All right, people. There you go. There's a freebie for you. One tip. <laughs> what the heck? I'm trying to help. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> what you do is you fill a Molotov condom with kerosene. <laughs> Just, oh my god. With what? That's why. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I'm almost 50. I'm not feeling shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But on that note, yeah. thank you everybody for listening. Everybody on the count of three, do your best friend nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Peace. Catheter and Backbeard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great movie! <laughs> <laughs>